0: Good morning, good evening, and good night. Welcome to Arsenic Soap. If this is your first time here, it's a pleasure to meet you. If you're a good old regular, then welcome back. My name is Johanna.
1: And my name is Linnea. Hi, guys. Arsenic Soap is a podcast that discusses the six grand M's. And the six grand M's are murder, mystery, monsters, magic, morbidity, and the messed
0: up. So as you can hear, we have a smorgasbord waiting for you guys. Since we couldn't just decide on one morbid topic.
1: That's right. And we'll make sure you get a weekly dose of all that little creepy, eerie, and scary stuff that will keep you awake an extra few minutes every night. That's right. So thank you for listening in and wanting to follow us on this journey. We're just getting started. Very witching time of night when churchyards yawn and hell itself gives up contagion to this world. I'm not crazy.
0: I, just relax. I, I'm a doctor.
1: Hi, everyone. And uh, hello from the other side to you, Johanna.
0: And hello from the other side to you, Linnea.
1: Across the magical table, yeah? Yes. Yes. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm really excited about this episode we got for you guys today.
1: Me too. I've been, this is actually one of the episodes I think we decided to do quite early. I mean, it's like one of the first things we listed that we wanted to talk about.
0: And the reason for that is that you have some severe personal experience (laughs) in the subject we'll be talking about today, which is sleep paralysis.
1: Sleep paralysis.
0: So how do you feel about that?
1: I think that's, I've been really excited to do this episode, but also I really did not want to do any studying yeah. <laughs> uh, about it because it is, it does affect me a lot. So you really had to take a point on this.
0: Oh, I didn't mind. I, I enjoy it quite thoroughly. <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, it's, it's interesting to be in a close relationship with someone who has sleep paralysis because there are a lot of things that, you know, I don't want to trigger you. Oh, Yeah. Because even though we love to talk about creepy and weird things, there's always that like respect in me that kind of doesn't want to you know go too far or, or trigger something really shitty happening to you. Like we can't watch horror movies, for example, because that's just not a part of your of the, no. tr- of the life you're trying to live. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to live my best life and a horror says not of that. Yeah,
0: no, exactly. <laughs>
1: no, but I don't get triggered talking about it. I get, that's something we're going to talk about, like what triggers sleep paralysis and the trigger is uh, stress and anxiety. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and yeah, I'm going to talk about sleeping on my back and stuff like that. So I don't get triggered. My sleep paralysis doesn't start because we're going to talk about it. Mm. Or, or even like watching a scare movie, those go to my nightmares instead. <laughs> got it, got it. Because yes. those are
0: quite fucked Tub as well yeah
1: my nightmares are really really elaborate and they're really long and nasty
0: and my last nightmare was that I pooped in the tub <laughs> <You> gradients
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think my last nightmare actually was last night but it wasn't that bad it was about Ted Bundy Christopher had to wake me up um it wasn't that bad but the nightmare before that was that I was like tied to a chair and someone was tearing apart puppies in front of me
0: yeah and
1: He was taking, this dude who was doing was taking um screwdrivers and driving them through the puppy's ears. Oh, yeah, right through their yeah, and the puppy screams. Yeah, and I'm a dog lover. So that's, you know, that's the only issue with that. I love the Alex too much. You want to see that happen? <laughs> no, because that's like often it's, it's a lot of carnage in my nightmares. Or that's- it's the grudge effect. Like there's, you know, something on my shoulder and I can't get it off. And I can see it in a mirror mm-hmm. and it's sitting on my shoulders and I can't get it off.
0: That's what's so interesting because I kind of tend to like consume more of that type of media. Like, I watch a lot of horror movies, yeah. and I'm, I'm really interested in, in horror, but you're the one who lives horror.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. I think the problem is that my imagination is stronger than what anything real could be yeah um and i know that like when i had that nightmare about the grudge uh sitting on my shoulders and following me around and i i could see her everywhere but she wouldn't get off my shoulders god i'd never seen the grudge but i'd read about it that day Mm -hmm. and i refused to see it and then i've like seen clips from it i'm like oh my nightmare was worse (laughs) (laughs) so so uh, the the imagination is always worse that's sort of what i felt yeah or or learned
0: have you ever felt like you wanted to like start watching horror movies to kind of make yourself less sensitive
1: to those things that's sort of what's happened with crime scene photos yeah and true crime because uh i've always been very interested but also really terrified keeping yourself care up of- yeah it's t- take care t- 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 take care <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh, know but like uh yeah i've refused to for instance you know like uh, on airplanes when they have um you know you can choose your own movie mm. then when, when people. Like choose to watch horror movies. I've been like, can't look to the right, can't look to the left, just keep straight forward and watch Barbie. Yeah, like yeah, like that. And so I've avoided it a lot. I don't know if it's really because I mean, I mean, I've watched the horror movies that I, as a child, like really. I was really afraid of like The Ring and stuff, but I never seen it. Then I watched it and I'm like, ah, seriously, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah, that's what I had nightmares about and. I, yeah, so it changes you, uh, wait, it doesn't, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, but
0: uh, I think it's interesting, because I'm thinking maybe that, like, the fact that you somewhat give it a lot of power, because you do tend to, like, avoid it.
1: Oh, yeah, at okay, such now I remember length. what you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what's happened, like, with, tr- like, uh, crime scene photos. I've always been really afraid of them, and the first time I saw one, I saw, like, the Black and we're gonna have an episode where we talk about true crime photos. Yeah. Um... Crime scene photos. Crime, yeah, true crime. Uh, And uh, we're going to have an episode where we talk about crime scene photos. And the first one I said was the Black Dahlia, And that's, it's black and white, so it's not that bad. But it's still a, a severed... It's gruesome. ...woman. You know, it's pretty nasty. And after that, it really scarred me. And I've avoided crime scene photos as much as I can. And now, uh, after I've studied a lot of true crime and I've listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, I've been sort of like... So that's a dead person. Yeah. Ah! So that's a severed head. Ha. Huh, so that... It wasn't a lot... Of, I was expecting more blood. You know? So yeah. in that way... So I think that... I mean, if I did start watching horror movies, that it, it would be the same thing.
0: Maybe. I mean, because that's kind of the thing that... Just like you're saying, that your emotional attachment to that fear almost becomes overpowering. And oh, it, it yeah. makes your brain spin around it and spin out of the control. Because when I was little, or even like early teens, I refused to watch horror movies. Like Mm -hmm. I refused because I grew up with a mom who had practically shat herself when she watched The Creature from the Black Lagoon.
1: (laughs) Oh, from like 50s? Yeah.
0: And she was like, don't, don't do it. So I I grew up with this feeling of like, I don't want to be scared, so I'm not going to fucking watch horror movies. And um, kind of attributing this really large power to fear that could be emitted from watching horror movies
1: yeah
0: uh and then i was 14 and my first horror movie was i believe the orphanage which isn't actually yeah oh
1: that's that's a really good one though it's a really good movie
0: it's but it was the most horror-esque movie that i had seen up until that point Mm -hmm. and and then i just fucking fell in love and now I have watched, I think my IMDb list has like over almost 400 horror movies that I've watched. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoy horror. But yeah, it's, it, you know.
1: I enjoy horror to a certain level. I can watch Carnage pretty much. I just don't like excessive Carnage like Saw. Yeah. Um. And I also like, I really love monsters, like monster movies. And I really like it slasher films but the second you go over like go over into ghosts and you go into the psychological like terrifying you like those that's my brand. and i and exorcisms and stuff like possessions and stuff like that no that's a no that's a oh, hard no that's favorites. never ever 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't. I don't really like slasher movies because I feel like they're very repetitive and all the like they have all these like that's
1: what I love about them tropes
0: and they're very you know cliche
1: well, that's the same, yeah,
0: they're very cliche and they're very you know what to expect. There's always a dumb girl who spring, who's running around screaming and she's semi naked and I don't know it's just
1: and it's always the virgin that saves the saves the day,
0: yeah, exactly. Because if you're a whore, you will die. <laughs> Yeah, so no I just I just feel like slasher movies. I don't know, there's something about slasher movies that doesn't really scare me, which is probably Oh, you want to get scared. It's not that I want to get scared. It's that I'm really fascinated by the feeling of being freaked out by something that technically doesn't exist okay. or that might exist,
1: but only in your nightmares exactly <laughs>
0: exact my nightmares usually consists of things like
1: pooping in a bathtub
0: yeah, on accident
1: <laughs> you wanted to add that <laughs> yeah well now we've talked about pooping in a bathtub, which was like first on the agenda yeah <laughs> and I think that we really should get to the topic because we have a lot of information and pages and experiences and just discussions about sleep paralysis. Yeah.
0: Let's get into it. Y'all basis of fairy tales is reality. The basis of reality is fairy
1: tales. So, as stated, today's topic is sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. Yeah. <laughs> so, what the fuck is sleep paralysis? Tell me. I'm going to tell you. I thought I'd just do like an uber speedy overview in case no one's heard of it. And then we can even get into the nitty gritty later on. Good. So, sleep paralysis is, okay, I'm going to quote livescience.com, uh, which feels really trustworthy since it has the word science in it. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So sleep paralysis is a temporary inability to move or speak that occurs when you're waking up or falling asleep. This is, it feels like it simplifies it to a pretty extreme degree. Mm -hmm. So it's like saying that, well, you know, the Titanic was a boating accident or the Black Plague was, you know, mild cold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what it is, is that you believe that you have woken up from sleep and that you are in fact entirely awake. You are completely aware of your surroundings, and you can even make, like, many times look around the room with your eyes. (laughs) Of course, with your eyes, but (laughs) your body is still, but your eyeballs are moving, if we put it it. that way. Uh, But you can't move, and you can't speak. And these symptoms vary. And very often in the state you see, feel, or hear something. To continue the quote from livescience.com. (laughs) <laughs> this can be an exceptionally scary time for those afflicted with this weird phenomenon. But despite former beliefs, the feeling of paralysis is not caused by supernatural beings. And I feel, you don't know.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh,
1: and I have a feeling that Johanna's going to bring some facts about that. Mm-hmm. That's going to. Well, facts. not Speculation. Facts. Speculations about what can happen. <laughs> and during sleep paralysis, you can find it difficult to take deep breaths as if your chest is being crushed or restricted. And this is very common, and many times people believe or see that someone or something is in fact sitting on their chest, pushing them down. You can have the feeling or sensation that someone or something is in the room with you, which is very common, and this presence can be seen or heard or felt, and I've experienced all of those during my episodes Mm. I've seen things heard them and physically felt them but also felt that there's like a presence in the room but you can't see it it's very it's a very specific it really does feel like someone's in the room with you but you just can't see them that you know that pressure that like a human body creates yeah and during sleep paralysis you are more often than not terribly terribly afraid if it's really bad you're in you're in agony and you're sure you're you're very, very sure that you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. These episodes can vary from fe- a few seconds to several minutes. And like time conception doesn't really exist when you're in the state either. So a few seconds can be a minute, a few minutes can be a second. Got it. And I've only maybe max had a minute while, um, also Robin, uh, who we'll talk about later, has experienced up to a bit like two minutes or something.
0: Yeah, Robin is a friend of yours, right?
1: Yeah, he's uh, my boyfriend's friend.
0: Okay not yours <laughs>
1: no he's not mine i want to clarify that he is not my friend <laughs> okay so sleep he's gonna listen to this later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no he's really cool for actually sharing some of his experience so we yeah could he's actually really open about it, it so i'm episode. really thankful yeah for it.
1: so sleep paralysis it usually occurs right when you're about to fall asleep or just when you're waking up and it's not dangerous but it is extremely terrifying and has resulted in a lot of modern and classic ghost stories and legends A lot of people who have claimed to see ghosts in the room have done it when they're actually in an episode. Descriptions of sleep paralysis experiences span not only across the world, but also throughout time as well, and has contributed to countless folklore paintings of demons sitting on half nude women, (laughs) 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 movies, music, and paranormal accounts. For some, sleep paralysis is a once or twice sort of thing, Uh, whilst for others it can be like a monthly, weekly, or even in worst case, daily. Mm -hmm. So science time what
0: happens? Tell me.
1: <laughs> okay, so sleep paralysis usually occurs at one of two times, either while you're falling asleep, and then it's called hypnagogic, or predormital sleep paralysis, which is more common in narcolepsy. Or you can get it, like I said, when you're waking up, and then it's called hypnopompic, or post dormital sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is more common when you're waking up because that is when your rapid eye movement is shortened REM, uh, is at its strongest, so you're dreaming, this is when your dreaming occurs. During the REM stage of sleeping, your brain is extremely active, and this is often when, like I said, dreams occur, and the dreams are also most vivid at this stage. The body during REM sleep is often unable to move apart from your eyes and also breathing muscles, um, naturally because you would die then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Uh, but everything else is actually pretty much just turned off. Your body literally turns off your body. i heard that (laughs) um and scientists believe that this is so that you can't hurt yourself when you're dreaming yeah Uh, you can't act out what you're actually dreaming got it the sleep paralysis occurs when a person wakes up a bit too early just before the rem has finished so the person is conscious but the ability to move has not yet like been turned on okay Mm -hmm. so it's
0: like a chemical reaction yeah
1: yeah Yeah, i was like of course i don't know but yeah chemical sounds good Sounds (laughs) (laughs) Sounds sciencey. <laughs> <laughs> so during the sleep paralysis, features of the REM sleep, like the vivid dreaming, hasn't turned off yet either. So the dreams continue into waking life. So part of you is awake while another part of you is actually sleeping. The statistics vary and dispute each other. I mean, it's everywhere. The, these numbers are like they're huge variations yeah Uh, and there's actually also very little study on this topic because it's it's not a dangerous thing so i don't think people study it that much (laughs) and it's like we're going to talk about borderline they don't really know like it's borderline paranormal Mm -hmm. some things johanna's all Mm -hmm. i'm on it she's on it (laughs) but the overall acknowledgement is that 20 to 60 percent of all people will experience sleep process wait 20 to 60 i i'm like I said, I'm trying to find some between here. Okay. I just
0: want that statistic to be true. <laughs> that's what it is.
1: Fuck that. And at 20 to 60 It's that's a wide one right there. Yeah,
0: sure, but it's still a little bit too much.
1: It's less than 100. And in another study, it stated that specifically, 25 to 50 percent, of uh, all Americans will experience it at least once in their life. And in a study of college students, 21% were found to have had at least one episode of sleep paralysis, but only 4% had five or more episodes. In most cases, you know, it is a one off, very seldom occurrence. Mm-hmm. So, what causes sleep paralysis? You Did ask. Yes, I shall tell you. Several things can be contributed to sleep paralysis, and youth seems to be a great factor in the occurrence of sleep paralysis. According to the, I had to check the pronunciation, but the Mayo Clinic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I always thought it was Mayo Clinic. Yeah, I was like,
1: mayonnaise? (laughs) No Mayo. (laughs) This disorder is more common in people between the ages of 10 and 25. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, that's why I haven't haven't had it since uh, my 26th birthday. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Not exactly 26th, but yeah. But the night terrors are still there. In the corner of my eye, waiting for me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so sleep paralysis is also more prevalent in those with post-traumatic stress disorder and panic disorder, uh, according to a 2017 report published by the National Institution of Health. Several other factors can bring on episodes of sleep paralysis, like not getting enough sleep, you know, sleep deprivation or insomnia. Yeah. Some medications can bring it on uh sleep disorders like uh insomnia is, is that in, like a, I think it's a disorder yeah, yeah it's a disorder but like sleep apnea and narcolepsy as well it can be genetic so your family history plays a role sleeping on your back this has connections to sleep apnea though cuz you start you have difficult breathing when you're laying on your back but i don't think i have it and i know that if i lie on my back i do get it sometimes really yeah it's like a mixture a, a perfect storm of all these things yeah Irregular sleep patterns, uh, anxiety and depression, substance abuse, and then also medical issues like leg cramps that can wake you up in the night. Mm. So some common features (laughs) of sleep paralysis are, uh, (laughs) so some people assert that they are completely awake and aware of their surroundings, while others sort of land in a like a partially aware, awake uh, dream phase. Mm. And some people even have out-of-body experiences and believe that they are floating above themselves and watching, like, looking down on themselves. So some common symptoms of sleep paralysis are, well, paralyzation. Yeah. (laughs) That's, like, number one. In the title. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The inability to speak is very common as well. A sense of an evil presence or being touched. A sense of breathlessness or chest pressure. You need to remember, though, it is still possible to breathe because your diaphragms like it's it's on, it's going on still. Yeah, <laughs> it's going on. And then there's a fear and panic and a feeling of doom and death. And then we have the best part, the hallucinations. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And the hallucinations can be divided up into four categories, visual, auditory, olfactory or tactile experiences. OK. Mm-hmm. So vi- within visual hallucinations. Shadows and menacing creatures are very common, and strangers watching you, someone lurking in the corner, a presence of some some sort of, like, humanoid figure is also very common. And many describe this figure as, like, a dark shadow or a ghost. Mm. And this figure appears often by your bed, in a dark corner, or in, the like, the periphery of your vision. And some people have reported having several hallucinations in the room at the same time. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's just too much, yeah. man. <laughs> it's too much. And some have seen flashes like really light brights or just bright colors and i've actually had one like this yeah yeah and that was an extremely bright light in my face i know someone's like that's the sun (laughs) you're waking up bitch (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was like an extremely light bright in my face uh, but this light bright light in my face bright light a bright light in my face (laughs) you said a light bright in my face (laughs) How? wait what is the correct bright light in my face yeah (laughs) And this is the only sleep paralysis hallucination that I've felt was benevolent. Really? Yeah. All the others are like assholes. (laughs) But was
0: it just nothingness or was it like a good feeling? It was
1: a warm, warm, warm light that just was in front of my face. I was sleeping on my side. It just warmed. It just Mm. felt very kind and just, um, it could have also been my bathroom light. I just realized that. (laughs) My bathroom was right there. Yeah. (laughs) But we're going to say it was a kind hallucination. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and some see critters and animals. Like Robin has a recurring spider above no. his, above his bed. No, yes. and another one is the shadow cat. Oh yeah, you gonna talk about the shadow cat?
0: I'm gonna tell you everything about the shadow
1: cat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a lot about shadow cats. I'm really excited. And in some cases, the hallucinations are blurry or vague, and it's like it's difficult to understand what's happening. And for some it's it's crystal clear. it's like you and I sitting here right now. There's no doubt that this is happening for me. Mm. Then we had the auditory hallucinations that's the ear stuff. <laughs> So, humming, hissing, static has been described, and the static is like radio static, then. Mm. And zip- zapping and zipping sounds are extremely frequent in sleep paralysis. I've never heard these, though.
0: No.
1: Sometimes the more common things to hear are whispers and voices and laughing, and worst case scenarios, like screams and roars. Mm. I've had whispering in my ear. Oh, yeah. Ew. That's really, it's not fun because you can you also feel the breath uh, on your ear. Could you make out what it was saying? Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you later. (laughs) And it's such a cliche, which makes me so sad because I want it to be like something really cool, Mm. but it's not. (laughs) But I'll I'll tell you later about it. I'm excited. (laughs) And the most reported phenomena of sleep paralysis is tactile hallucination, which is the sensation of being touched when you are in fact not. The feeling of having a pressure or contact is very common, especially of pressure over the chest or belly. This sensation is commonly described as a feeling of someone holding you down or someone like someone flat out just sitting or lying over your chest. For all them true crown fans, uh I'd call it the feeling of being like getting burked from Birkin Hare. Birkin Hare killed their victims by sitting on their chest and oh, at the same yeah. time holding their nose and mouth. I think though birking might also refer to uh not a clueless death, but there's no indication of how they died. But I think birking is when you sit on someone's chest. Yeah, because
0: they actually labeled it that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Birking. Getting burked, bitch. God. Oh no, I'm so sorry for the bitch. <laughs> I Why do you keep excited. doing that? <laughs> um okay so i actually had a coworker who explained this is a story it's story time now got it yeah story time is fun i actually have a uh well have had he's alive but i don't work with him <laughs> <laughs> so i think or it's had <laughs> so sorry this is the story about how he died <laughs>
0: You had a colleague.
1: I had a colleague who explained that their uncle had a room in his summer cottage where this happened every night to whoever slept in that room. No. Yes. And my colleague, friend, person wanted to feel well, you know, if it, this was just like a family legend or something. That night, he woke up to someone sitting on his chest. Ew. Yes. He didn't see anyone, but he could feel that it was a human body on him. And if I recall correctly, it felt like they were kneeling on him. So they could, like, feel the knee pressure on their chest. Ew. And this is something that everyone has experienced in that room. And that's when I'm like, well, this sounds... Either he has created this in his mind... Yeah. Because he was so... He knew that that was what he was supposed to feel.
0: And even if he is telling himself, like, I don't believe in this, Mm -hmm. he still has that, like, what if it is real?
1: Uh Uh-huh, exactly. And I can also... I know I, like, apply how I work, and I know that if I sort of, like, sort of felt it, I'll be like, oh my god! Mm. And then I'll, like, really elaborate on that story.
0: (laughs) Sure, but maybe also it really was very
1: clear. Exactly. So, questions? Punctuations? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, another common feeling is that of being dragged out of bed or flying, and these are called vestibular motor hallucinations. Mm. And the out of body experiences also fall under this term. Um, numbness and electrical tingles and vibrating sensations are also really, really common. People have reported feeling temperature changes in the room, hashtag ghosts. Mm. Some have reported feeling also sexual contact, including physical sensations involving the genitalia or even rape at sometimes. And to quote verywellhealth.com, health is in the name, so we know it's real. Yeah. Other physical experiences have been reported as well, including a sense of being bitten, bugs crawling on the skin, breathing in the ear, or an uncontrollable feeling of smiling. And I feel that the uncontrollable feeling of smiling is the most terrifying. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> there's something so menacing and creepy about someone who just can't stop smiling.
0: Yeah, it is. And and when you don't want to smile, especially. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Like,
0: like not having the emotion attached to that yeah. physical reaction.
1: One time when I took the marijuana, mm-hmm. I had one of those You Can't Stop Smiling um, episodes, I guess you could call it.
0: Did you really just say took marijuana?
1: Marijuana. I ingested <laughs> no. it. Yeah. I, I smoked it. Uh, you don't say take marijuana, don't you? No, you no, don't. No, you don't. As you can hear, I have not, I'm not an avid user. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed. And I just couldn't stop smiling until... It, i i I literally the worst thing was you i looked in the mirror and it was like the joker smile
0: jesus you
1: fucking freak no that's that's why i stopped taking you know taking taking marijuana marijuana. (laughs) i just couldn't take more marijuana okay (laughs) you're so fucking cute do you know that you're really cute
0: i don't want to be cute i want to be cool
1: i can just see how you dressed me this morning (laughs) (laughs) and put a helmet on my head just in case i bumped into something
0: (laughs) but i made you pick your own pants so you will pick a weird pair so i'll get to feel that you're really cute (laughs)
1: Okay. okay 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 the least common hallucination in sleep is of an olfactory nature which is the sense of smell Hmm. yes i think you can just like use your imagination on that one yeah i've actually i've actually never experienced that and I, I don't know if Robin has either. He didn't mention anything like that. No. But I, I can imagine that that's one of the nicer ones. Depending on the <laughs> smells. Yeah. Depending on them smells. Yeah. Burning
0: bodies, it's not like... <laughs> I.
1: But, I mean, can you... Will you know that it smells like burning bodies if you've never smelled burning bodies? I don't know your life,
0: but I guess. <laughs> I know how you
1: live. I, I
0: I mean, sometimes maybe you smell something and you know instinctively. You know, like in a dream sometimes you just see something or you hear something and you know instinctively what it is
1: yeah that's true um so burning bodies is gonna be in my next sleep paralysis probably sorry no it's okay like i said as long as i'm not stressed or anxious
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you are calm cool and collected i
1: am a cucumber over here (laughs) okay so what can i do to get rid of it for all those people who have sleep paralysis lean in and listen let your ear holes be filled information <laughs> okay so if you're in a dream this is actually me talking right now mm. science <laughs> uh then practice finding your way out it's like imploding into your own head it feels like you're digging out of your sleep it's a very interesting feeling because i know that i close my eyes and then i like roll back into my head and then out it's fa- it's it's mm. mm-hmm. You know, I'm very clear with, you know, what I just said. So, you know, I fixed your problems. Welcome. <laughs> That's fascinating, <though. laughs> And then try waking yourself up by pinching yourself. I know it's a cliche, but it does work. Yeah. And try getting fucking mad. Just get really, really mad. I think the thing is when you're in sleep paralysis, you need to... It takes time, though. So you have to have experience, experienced it a lot. But you have to remember it's not harmless. I mean... <laughs> actually written that <laughs> oh, girl. It's, not, it's not harmful yeah it's harmless or it's not harmful <laughs> nothing can actually hurt you
0: that you know
1: stop it then it's not harmless anymore <laughs> okay it's it not-
0: probably won't hurt you <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not gonna hurt you guys you need to remember that it's still it's gonna be terrifying but you're gonna survive it i promise there are medical reasons like narcolepsy and like sleep leg cramps. And then sleep paralysis is a symptom of that. So you need to get the the first things checked out there. Yeah, And then try getting six to eight hours of sleep. Try sticking to a sleep schedule. So same time every night, same time every morning. Try to make going to bed something you look forward to. <laughs> make it cozy. So Because I know that for me, when I'm in my period of nightmares... I don't want to go to sleep. You I don't dread, want to dread it. Bed. Yeah, I dread it. So, if I make my bed a bit cozy, then it gets it's a bit easier. <laughs> That's a great idea, <laughs> honey. And do not sleep on your back. Try, I usually put a pillow so I can't roll <laughs> No, that's great. <laughs> and avoid eating, smoking, or drinking alcohol or caffeine right before bed or the maracana. <laughs> <laughs> and then ex- exercise is great, but just not within like four hours of going to bed. okay. So now we have talked about the science stuff. And now we're going to go over to the stuff that will really keep you awake at night. And that is the mythology and other creepiness of sleep paralysis.
0: Get fucking strapped in because here we go. <laughs> so... Mythology and other creepiness.
1: Ah,
0: well, initially I started thinking kind of in the realms of like, what's the difference between lucid dreams, astral projection, uh, and sleep paralysis? Well, it turns out they're not so different, and there are several fields in which they overlap. So lucid dreaming, of course, is, you know, when when you're dreaming, but you're aware that you're dreaming, so you can kind of create your own dream world. And now there's a lot of spiritual speculation, which... I, of course, take great interest in uh, that talks about how the spirit is like the most free.
1: I have a question about lucid dreaming uh-huh. because I've always, like you said, it's about you can you have control of your dream. Mm. But is it the fact that you're dreaming that you have control of your dream? I've had lucid dreaming once mm. and it felt more that you're like dreaming that you have control than I just- that actually having control because it's it's a really insane thing to actually have control over a completely made up world in your mind?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that it's kind of your brain at work, mainly, like, subconsciously, that creates kind of a, like a setting. And then I guess you, you, but you're aware that what you are in is a dream. Yeah. So you can kind of try different things, experiment with, with things that are. (laughs) Marijuana. That are not of this, you know, physical reality. Yeah. So, you know, if the spirit is the most free while we're in a dream state, that means that as we're dreaming, our spirits leave the physical body and can take on a so-called astral body, where time and space don't adhere to the same rules as our physical experience. So one could, for example, visit places, spaces, and people that they aren't able to in the physical world. For example, dead people or other forms of beings. Okay. But also interacting with other dreamers simultaneously.
1: Wait, so you meet other people who are dreaming in your own dreams?
0: Supposedly, because when we're talking about astral projection, there's apparently like a lot of gray space or like a lot of gray area. Uh, Some people say that you refer to astral projection when you're actually just talking about uh, taking on an ethereal body. And an ethereal body is what you can take on when you're aware that you're dreaming, but you have it in more of a God, it's, it's really hard to, to explain. I'll go into the whole what, what astral travel is first. Um, basically, astral travel is similar to sleep paralysis because technically you would be conscious enough to be able to have a so-called out-of-body experience, meaning that you're leaving your body and your astral or ethereal body can move around in your room looking down at your body. Uh, so sort of like, you know, while in a lucid, lucid dream, you're in this dream world. An astral projection is leaving your body and having like an a known, um, like knowing that you're stepping out of your body and you're having an experience on kind of a different frequency than the frequency that you usually wake up in. Okay. Uh, so the difference between ethereal bo- uh, taking on an ethereal body and an astral body is that an ethereal body is exactly that. You can move around, you can, uh, you can mingle with other people who are dreaming at the same time, <laughs> uh, while an astral body is more that you can kind of shoot up onto different frequencies and encounter beings and entities that carry information you can exchange information and have like um it's more of a spiritual practice because you can receive a lot of information that you wouldn't be privy to in a physical plane okay it's really complicated i
1: would like to point out that she said that with no script at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was good of Joanna. I've waited my entire life to talk about this. <laughs> I love shit like this. Uh,
0: so, you know, in a lucid dream, the imagery is all happening, quote unquote, inside your head. So you can wake up wherever you want. And when your physical body is awakened, the dream is over. Um, astral projection seems to be more like having an awareness to your sleeping body and is actually like a level of consciousness that exists in real time, but on a different frequency. I'm sorry. <laughs> in other words, the spirit becomes how we... Uh, how some people would perceive how ghosts work. Like there are these theories that we exist on these different frequencies. Like this is a frequency where you and I exist currently. Yeah. And when we sleep, we go our spirits go to a different frequency.
1: So it's sort of like dimensions then. It's just another word.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I think dimensions tend to kind of have this predeceived notion of of having like a place. Okay. While a frequency, you can kind of of see it as... Here, there, everywhere at the same time. Exactly. Everything has happened simultaneously and... God, that's a hard word. Simultaneously at the same time, but still not. So, for example, some people think that that's what ghosts are. That they're here constantly, but they're on a different frequency. Which is why there's kind of this disturbance where we can't really see them or feel them or... But some people can't because they're sensitive to the second frequency. We got to make an episode on that sometime because I'm fucking into it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can hear that. (laughs)
0: Um, So now this is clearly really similar to sleep paralysis because uh, some theorize that when waking up in sleep paralysis, you are in fact waking up on one of these frequencies, only a more demonic one. And you can't move.
1: That's not a good frequency.
0: Uh, so, quite naturally, when you're dealing with such things as nightmares and horror entering your safe space outside your control, there are going to be some creepy paranormal ties that start to form. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what's so fascinating about paranormal sleep paralysis experiences is that they tend to be very much similar to each other.
1: You mean, like, from person to person, throughout time and space and whatever, everyone has, like... Um, experienced somewhat about the similar, yeah.
0: yes. And certain things can, of course, be explained scientifically. For example, that feeling of pressure on your chest, you know, that's co- that's a really common sensation when you're experiencing a panic attack. Yeah. And due to the mental state you're in, it's only logical that one would hallucinate something sitting or, or, you know, putting pressure on your chest.
1: I wonder maybe if when you feel that pressure something that you have seen something that you've forgotten about, and the panic has given you that chest feeling... That, like, like you've dreamt something in your mind's eye and you've seen something that, that's terrified you, and then you slightly wake up into the sleep paralysis with that chest pain, with the pressure, because you've sort of, you were having a panic attack from what you've just dreamed, but you can't remember it or you can't, like, are you with me? I'm with you. I'm
0: thinking that it's more an aspect of like you wake up in paralysis, and the paralysis is what's making you have a panic attack because you can't fucking move.
1: It's sort of the chicken, <laughs> the egg, or the the <laughs> chicken or wait, what? The chicken or the egg? The chicken right? or the yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so, but what's particularly fascinating is that people experience this cross-culturally, and the characters that tend to show up for many people also appear cross-culturally.
1: Character time!
0: (laughs) Now, certain fears are obviously relational. For example, your average German person might be highly, like, scientifically minded, but still kind of fears that go surreal. The German person? Uh, Just anyone.
1: Why a German person? Because the
0: next person I'm gonna talk about is Nigerian.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well,
0: (laughs) Well, a very real fear of witchcraft and demonic possession exists throughout a large portion of Nigeria. So fear and what we fear is quite often obviously relative to cultural heritage. Yeah. You know, it would make sense that if you're Nigerian, that there's this kind of known and present fear in in people around you and your upbringing that kind of tell you what, what to be afraid of. Yeah, so that's kind of fascinating that it's, even though, you know, there are people with completely different frames of references in terms of culture and upbringing, they still kind of experience the similar looking yeah. things.
1: But that's what, okay, so that's sort of, either it's strictly science, because everyone, like all bodies whether you're black, white, green, or blue, work they they work sim- like the same in the same way. Mm. Or we're talking about there is another dimension or existence of frequency in this current time, place, and air. I mean, it's it can't be both. It can't be. Well, it could be both, but it's it's probably not something else unless it's supernatural or just science stuff.
0: It's that you know, some things could be supernatural, another could be scientific. I I don't really know if it can be both or either. yeah. But I think it's fascinating that, you know, even if it is, like you said, no matter who we are or where we come from, we all live in bodies that function pretty much the same, especially our brains. Yeah. Um, but what we fear and what one would quote-unquote hallucinate shouldn't be the same for every person because our frame of reference is different. Exactly. For example, when you dream about uh Samara from the ring, it's because you've seen the ring. Yeah, yeah. And you're afraid of you because you've you know, it's something that has entered your mind. You know, those things are shaped by how we're raised and what we what kind of culture we live in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But I'll get into a little bit more of that yeah, later.
1: I have opinions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a lot of discussion space yeah. in this episode too. So if you break down the word nightmare, it might make little sense, like a female horse that comes at night.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh god, I I regret that so much.
0: Well, the word for nightmare in Swedish is madrum, which carries the same meaning. Uh, Drum meaning dream, and mar originating from the word mara, or mare. So mare dream. And Mare is actually a word developed from the Germanic lingual branch describing a female hag-like being with evil intentions. This entity was also described as like riding the person experiencing the nightmare. So maybe that's why there's like a... So
1: there's a a sort of sexist thing behind this anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, kind of like a horse term connection there. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so this is why sleep paralysis is often referred to as the old hag syndrome.
1: Ooh, I'm gonna... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And that old hag is one of the very common shadow people one might encounter, but more on shadow people later.
1: No, I want to talk about it now. It's so much fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a common occurrence is that there is a sexual component to these experiences, like you mentioned, and this is what people have throughout the ages deemed as attacks of incubi or succubi.
1: Oh yeah, get your jiggy <laughs>
0: Uh an incubus and a succubus are practically like the same thing. It's a demon that preys sexually on a human, sometimes even impregnating them. Incubus is the male version while succubus is the female. Now some believe that these demons are in fact one and the same and dare I say gender fluid?
1: Yes. I support
0: that. So their gender expression is kind of tied to what is needed, depending on the victim.
1: I mean, if demons do exist, it would make a lot of sense that they don't have a gender.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
1: And they just fold that dick out if it's it's needed. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Um... This is another thing that is described throughout all cultures and folklore and in writing dates back as far as to the Mesopotamian epos, the Epic of Gilgamesh, written at least 2100 years BC, in which Gilgamesh's father is described as an incubus.
1: He's described as like a dude coming through the night and I'm pregnant. Like having sex
0: with. I haven't read the episode. You have
1: <gasps> What sort of research have you done?
0: <laughs> but I'm assuming you know. He's in description of his father, woman. Yeah, or like a spirit or a demon. Okay. That that um sleeps with people when they're sleeping. Oh wait. <laughs> now these encounters with incubi or succubi are sometimes described as pleasant and I guess kinky.
1: I mean, I a nice sex dream now and then. And again, you know, if that's what it is, only a sex dream. But.
0: Yeah, but you know, sometimes the paralyzed actually like receive sexual stimulation. And many people have even ended up like climaxing due to these encounters.
1: I am sort of turned on right now.
0: Yeah, but usually it's described by people of all genders as absolutely fucking terrifying.
1: Okay, it's Because not essentially
0: that. you're being raped by a demon. Uh... In some folklore, these creatures are said to be the ones who actually put their victim in a trance and paralyzes them in order to perform the attack, a.k.a. inducing sleep paralysis.
1: I'm not amused anymore.
0: <laughs> I am. <laughs> so there's this great, horrifying, horrifying documentary on Netflix called The Nightmare. And I really hope you guys go watch this. Not you, Linnea, you absolutely cannot.
1: I, I think I've, well, you sent me a, a screenshot. Oh, it wasn't even from that it wasn't even from that i wouldn't
0: do that to you what,
1: what the fuck was that 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 was enough <laughs> it was a shadow person from like the perspective of someone lying in bed yeah and there's was a like, lot of that
0: in it well though. that
1: was sort of mean <laughs> <laughs> and i looked at the clock. i think it was like yeah it was turning dark outside i'm, and I'm sorry like, no <laughs>
0: I don't do that well, yeah, I really hope you guys go watch this documentary because I have used a lot of the stories that are brought up in this just to kind of describe things that are phenomena that, I, that I'm that i going to refer to.
1: Yeah, because that's the thing. I think that I, I've always assumed that everyone knows what sleep paralysis is and everyone knows what it means and so on, etc. But if you're hearing this for the first time now or maybe just you've heard it in the passing at some point, you might not understand the experience, if we put it that
0: yeah, and that's of sort of it. been one of your frustrations too, right? That like exactly. podcasts that have covered this—they don't actually have personal experience.
1: No, if someone has experienced it, it's often that they say that they've seen a ghost. Yeah, like oh yeah, that's their. Instead of explaining it like a par- like a sleep paralysis story, they tell it like a ghost story. Yeah, and I'm every ghost story that I hear from someone lying in bed. I automatically nope that no probably not that's and I'm someone who I do believe in ghosts and well energies and stuff and like like that stuff, but I'm very skeptic towards people who see something when they're half awake going to bed or in that realm of sleep. Yeah. Well, so
0: in the nightmare, these victims of sleep paralysis go kind of in depth and describe their experiences with some really fucking freaky reenactments. So if you're interested in this sort of stuff, you definitely need to watch it. One man in this documentary describes this awful experience where he had been suffering almost daily episodes of sleep paralysis. Daily? Daily. And they were becoming stronger. One night, he dreams this very strange but incredibly lucid dream, and suddenly he's thrown back into his room in full sleep paralysis mode.
1: Wait, he's... Is he on his bed and thrown across the room? No, no, no.
0: He's thrown from the dream. He's having a lucid dream, so he's not experiencing his actual surroundings. He's in a dream. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes up sort of from the dream, but in sleep paralysis. Um, So now appears this claw. And he describes it sort of like one of those mechanical three-fingered claws from claw machines. Mm -hmm. You know, where you move that robotic arm to get stuffed animals out. Yeah. So this claw is right between his legs and it just starts hammering down pinching his genitals over and over again and he's in absolute agony. What? And as he wakes up he's still in pain.
1: The thing is I'm I'm like that's so oddly specific. Right? That's interesting because in dreams and like quote unquote normal dreams mm. when you feel pain you don't really feel a pain you feel like it's like your mind reflects what it sort of remembers pain is supposed to feel like mm. so it's like just a tingle in your body but to actually be in, in a- agony is very unusual yeah
0: and especially that he felt it long after exactly he had woken up you know and he said that this was something that would happen repeatedly to him
1: oh no it's poor, yeah his poor penis oh that's terrible
0: so what I did was I tried to kind of streamline the various experiences of what sleep paralysis is into three categories that seem to describe what the majority of people experience. And those three categories are asphyxiation, invasion, and shadow people.
1: sh shadow people.
0: These are sort of the three aspects that seem to be like the core of what a sleep paralysis experience is like. Um, Asphyxiation because of the pressure on top of your chest, uh, as many experience, but also because this feeling sometimes takes form and that it feels like they're being strangled or suffocated by something in the room. Invasion because a lot of the time, the person's first instinct is that someone has broken into the house.
1: Yeah. Oh, I I read this case where there is a guy who suffers from sleep paralysis. So when he wakes up in the middle of the night in fear and he sees someone in his room, he's like, oh, it's sleep paralysis and freaks out. It turns out it's an actual burglar. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. He chose the right house.
1: He really did.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's this intruder element that's so horrific and obviously also, of course, plays a, a big role in the whole rape aspect of Incubi and Succubi.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And thirdly, you know, we have shadow people.
1: But they do intersect into one another, those three. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. This is just kind of the core elements that I see kind of repeated in these stories. Uh, So author Jason Offit wrote a book on the subject of shadow people called Darkness Walks, The Shadow People Among Us. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) And in it, he has gathered stories and experiences and managed to part these shadow creatures into eight different categories. So I'll go ahead and list them, and then I'll describe each one a little bit more in depth.
1: Oh, I know you will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the categories are benign shadows, shadows of terror, red-eyed shadows, noisy shadows, angry hooded
1: shadows. I love the noisy (laughs) shadows. It's like they're a bit cocky. What are you going to do about it, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then it's just like a shadow.
0: (laughs) Shadows that attack, shadow cats and the hat man.
1: Oh god, are you gonna talk a lot about the hat man? Mm-hmm. Uh, I am about to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, just, just keep on talk. just talk. <laughs> okay.
0: So benign shadows are mainly just that, in the corner of your eye type of thing. Often they have a human shape, but sometimes it's just blobs of black and like a presence.
1: Are we talking... Strictly sleep paralysis now, or uh, the phenomena of shadow people?
0: The phenomena of shadow people in relation to sleep paralysis experiences. Okay. So these don't really have like an R of terror. It's more like they're minding their own business. But of course, they can feel really scary still. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The way that most of these shadow people are described, including the ones I'll mention later on, are that they're very much just solid blackness with very clear outlines. And I feel like calling them shadows almost makes them sound like if they're transparent. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be the case at all. In the reenactments from The Nightmare, they're actually portrayed in these pitch black morph suits. So basically that's what you could imagine, just like an actual human walking in a black morphu- yeah, morph it, suit. Yeah, it,
1: it's not. Um, it's not like a shadow. You see like a plant with some light on it cast. Exactly. It's very, very tangible.
0: And looks physically present.
1: Yes. It's it's a very well-rounded creature. And three-dimensional. three-dimensional yes. it's It really is like a morph. It, yeah. But like a bit, I was going to say furrier, but fuzzier on, it, there is a fuzzy aspect to it as well. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Interesting that you mentioned that because I heard that someone had explained that they had like reached out and touched one of these shadow people and there was this velvety texture.
1: Interesting.
0: Another one, you know, these are all obviously varying too. Another woman, she had reached out and touched it, and she was almost like shocked with this electrical current.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what they, because that's what they said on Astonishing Legends, another amazing pocket mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so then we have the shadows of terror or negative shadows.
1: <laughs> the negative shadows, yeah. It's <laughs> probably going to rain today. <laughs> I'm in a <every> mood. <laughs>
0: They look just like the benign shadow people, but they lurk, carrying this, like, immense feeling of terror, just emitting an aura of dread and intimidation. Thirdly, we have red-eyed shadows. Now, these guys are always negative and induce that feeling of unnatural terror.
1: That thing with red eyes, that's, like, over every culture, every—there's so many legends, myths, like, the no black-eyed children. Okay, but the red-eyed dog— Wait, is that the black-eyed dog?
0: No, I think it's a red-eyed red dog. red-eyed yeah, dog. Red-eyed red ghosts are yeah.
1: really, yeah, is a thing.
0: So they have the same look as other shadow people, but with blazing red eyes. People who see these creatures often talk about how they can kind of feel them feeding off of their fear. So almost as if they're receiving pleasure from the person being really scared.
1: I'm really upset. I want to, I'm not going to sleep alone tonight. That's not.
0: <laughs> you got somewhere to say?
1: Well, I have Christopher. Good. Yes. <laughs> has to take care of me. <laughs> what, what? That's his job. <laughs> and
0: then we got noisy shadows. And noisy shadows, I assume, are these shadow people that like seemingly emit noise. Pretty much like the static vibration that you can hear coming off of them. Sometimes they're incredibly chatty and articulate, knowing your name and saying things to you, while other times they just kind of make like nonsensical verbal sounds.
1: Yeah, I've read that that some almost have a made-up language exactly yeah
0: then you got hooded shadows these shadow people seem to be dressed like ancient monks with a big cloak
1: oh they're sassy
0: yeah these entities often feel incredibly angry almost as if there's this vibrating rage coming off of their bodies like from underneath the cloak and then you got shadows that attack shadows that attack are shadows that attack (laughs) Uh, so again, we go back to the, that sense of being invaded and invading your personal space. And this can be in terms of being strangled, sexual advances, or in other ways approaching the person in a menacing way. Mm-hmm. And then we have got
1: shadow cats. <laughs> the, uh, those are the only okay k- shadow creatures right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> you- okay, I, I, want the, I want the nice shadows, if anything, here. Yeah. I don't want the, yeah, I want the
0: shadow cats. Shadow cats are these black cats, and it seems like sometimes it's almost as if one of these shadow entities has simply taken on the form of a cat. Oh, well, fuck me. Mm. (laughs) You know, with the red eyes and all?
1: Oh, yeah, why not?
0: (laughs) From an article on the Cracked website, I read about a woman who would get sleep paralysis frequently... But literally all that would happen is that her bedroom would just be crowded with all these cats. Are you? <laughs> like doing cat things, like jumping on furniture and like stroking around the room. So the cats seem to be like a, a little unreliable, you know, like cats are.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say. Man.
0: Yeah. And the same guy who described that awful, awful claw incident also told this story of when he had two friends staying over at his, like, he had this tiny apartment. So they were all crammed up inside this bed that they were all sharing. And so he wakes up in sleep paralysis. And he obviously knows that it's sleep paralysis because this is a daily occurrence for him. Next to him is this gigantic, like, too tall to fit the room shadow man. What? yeah like he's crouching together because he's too big to fit the room and this guy has red eyes so he starts talking to him and he repeats the phrase you know who i am you know who i am until finally he goes you don't know who i am right now but i know you and you know me you are going to die And then he wakes up to this blood-curdling scream that instantly snaps him out of his paralysis. And it's one of his friends, this girl, who's just hysterically screaming as she wakes up from a nightmare. And he's obviously, like, in this really weird place because he just thought, like, he really thought that he was going to die. He's going to get murdered by a fucking demon. But now he's trying to comfort his friend who's crying out of her mind. And so she tells him she saw a cat sitting on top of her chest. The cat had blazing red eyes, and it was staring over at him, speaking threateningly in some kind of language that she couldn't decipher. Like, it was sitting on top of her, but it was threatening him.
1: I don't mean to cry, but I am crying. <laughs>
0: no, don't cry. Honey, no, we can get through this. I'm
1: so not going to watch that movie.
0: <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Yeah. And it's, that's fascinating. That it's kind of bleeding into other people. Oh, huh.
1: Oh, honey. I don't have first. I can th- Robin. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll get to that. It's not as creepy. It's more amazingly cool. Uh, okay, it's creepy because it didn't happen to me, so I can say that. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'm really upset that over over that <laughs> that it can bleed because that gives it a tangibility. Right. Yeah. It's not like oh, you just dreamt it. But if two people. It's the same thing
0: as, like, if if it's a hallucination, two people who are not interacting with each other can't have the same hallucination.
1: And I've read about, well, you know, you're going to talk about the hurt man. Yeah, right now. Yeah, that people have, at the same time, had a dream about him, and then they talk about it, and, like, that's exactly the moment I had the dream that day, that time as well. Yeah. I don't like this. This was a really bad topic for this episode.
0: I I know that this was a bad topic for any episode in your... Case, but I'm so happy that we're doing this. I know
1: I'm happy too, but I never want to talk about it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we won't. Thank we'll you. get it all out. Thank you. <laughs> so last but certainly not least, we have the Hat Man.
1: Oh. Ew.
0: So the Hat Man has this essence of authority. His outline shows that he's clearly wearing this wide-brimmed hat. Like one of those 50s mobster fedora hats. Sometimes people also see him wearing an old-timey business suit or a long black trench coat. Mm -hmm. Now this character is clearly incredibly interesting because of his very strange and obvious characteristics. Like we don't see people dressed like that these days. So it being some sort of trope of authority that our subconscious mind cooks up feels somewhat odd and irrelevant. Not only that, but this guy also shows up cross-culturally all over the world. And doesn't it kind of remind you of like the men in black? Or, like, any mystery man ever. Like, I feel like they're always kind of dressed in a 50s fashion with, like, a, a hat.
1: I don't know, because the men in black don't have hats, if I remember correctly. I think they're sometimes depicted they have in hats. Suit, yeah, then, suits. Yeah, uh, suits.
0: But I feel like, like, mystery men overall, like the men from Tar Red, you know that?
1: I'm gonna say yes.
0: You don't have to say yes. I don't, I'd, I'd I, lo-
1: I, okay, I was lying.
0: <laughs> well, this feels a little bit more, like, time- uh, specific but there's this story about the man from tar and it's this man who shows up i think it's in 1956 maybe it's in the 50s at mm-hmm. least he shows up to the an airport in japan and as he's going through customs they won't let him through
1: wait is this a is this a quote-unquote true story
0: yes okay. i don't know if it's real real yeah, but i know that it's, like, it's yeah, a real story or something he has this passport it's pretty obvious that it's fake, because it says that he comes from a country named Tar-Red, and there's no country that's named Tar-Red, or mm-hmm. Torrid, or whatever. Yeah, And he gets really angry, and, like, the way I understand it is, like, it's as if someone would have said there's no country that's named Sweden, and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yes, there is. Yeah. Because he's reacting as if, like, this is the most obvious thing in the world. How can you not see that? And the, the passport is real. He has all these documents that are referring to the fact that he's traveling out of tar and he even says that he has traveled this path from tar before. And they just, they don't know what the fuck to do to him or with him. So they kind of take him and put him in a hotel over the night while they figure out what the fuck is going on. I think that they had, like, security outside the hotel room all night, just because, you know, he was there illegally, technically. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out, and he has pointed to a map where he says that Tared is, and it's between Spain and France, like in Andorra, mm-hmm. he points to this spot on the map that he says that's Tared. And the next day, you know, he's had security outside his door all night, and he's just he's vanished there's no open windows, there's nothing. He's just gone. Like, he never existed. All his documents, all his papers, all that stuff is completely missing. So how some people kind of refer to this is, is as maybe an an example of uh, time travel or frequency hopping. Yeah,
1: frequency, yeah.
0: So that maybe, like, there's a parallel universe where some there was some kind of glitch where he ended up in our universe where in his universe, there was a country called Tared, and he's just like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I know that there's no pictures of this guy. It's also the 50s. Yeah. But he is also commonly depicted with a black fedora. Like, I feel like that's... But
1: that's what they had during the 50s, so... Exactly.
0: But it's... I feel like mystery people are often in, like, a hat.
1: I mean, the hat is very mysterious, and I'm thinking about, like, cowboys and stuff, they have a mysterious air to them, or... It's this shading part of your face, I guess. Yeah, I think there's something there. Uh, and that there is a sense of, uh, like you said, um, an authoritative figure. Yeah. Creates an authoritative figure and a feeling, I don't know. And I think it's also because it's one of the things you can put on your body. First of all, to, like you said, disguise yourself, but it's a way to stand out. So when people describing something, it's interesting.
0: I also heard like uh, encounters with the hat man where the hat man is just kind of standing there. Yeah. And then he has these shadow people, just normal, like, plain shadow people with him. Sort of like they're his, you know. Posse?
1: Like, his posse a little bit. His his gang, his group?
0: Yeah, like, there was one story in The Nightmare (laughs) that uh, a guy was saying that he woke up in the middle of the night. He had had this sleep paralysis. The hat showed up. And behind him were these two shadow creatures that were just kind of moving menacingly while the hat man just kind of stood there. And he wasn't really feeling any fear from the hat man. It was just these two other shadow creatures that felt freaky. And then all of a sudden he just kind of feels this surge of of like bad energy coming towards him. And the two shadow people move from behind the hat man and towards him and like this grappling ensues. And it's not like it's a big fight or anything, but they kind of attack him. But as soon as he puts up resistance, they just back off and they retreat behind the hat man. So it's almost like he's the boss. Yeah, it's like he's a mob boss. It's actually the hat man that became, that has inspired the character that became Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. That
1: makes a thousand percent sense. (laughs) Right? Yeah
0: yeah it kind of and then that in turn kind of birthed more sleep paralysis experiences. So I can
1: absolutely believe that they're they feed off each other and they inspire each other exactly and it's just like this crazy circle.
0: So another occurrence that is frequently brought up with sleep paralysis, and I'm so sorry I'm going to do this to you, baby. maybe people are experiencing actual alien visitations.
1: I think I'd prefer that right now. (laughs) Really? Yeah, in front of everything we talked about, I think aliens are the kindest.
0: Well, in the documentary I talked about, there's this man named Forrest who speaks of his earliest childhood memory being what he now believes was sleep paralysis. This one gets really creepy, by the way. No. So Forrest lived with his mom and dad in rural Vermont.
1: And you feel that you have to tell people about this.
0: (laughs) Yes. In this really old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. At this time, he's a That's a bit
1: of a cliche, though
0: sure but i can't change the the setting i mean that's how he grew (laughs) up but what he's saying is basically like he he lived in the middle of nowhere like courage
1: the cowardly dog yeah you have not seen that
0: no i know what you're talking about i just hated the show
1: yeah (laughs) that was a creepy show for kids
0: i hated it yeah at this time he's a baby and he remembers waking up in his crib seeing through the wooden bars that surround him but not being able to move at all. Like, this is his first memory. I have
1: It's probably happened, but you don't create memories until you're two years old. I don't know if he was two years old. He was in a crib. You're not in a crib if you're two, right? I don't know. I don't know. How you don't have children. <laughs> I'm the mother. Uh, the thing is, with sleep paralysis, is it doesn't... Mine was when I was eight. Yeah, it's, they say it's around 10 to 25.
0: Don't know, man. Mm -hmm. And so the crib is angled so that the foot of it is facing the door to his nursery. And if he sits up, he sees straight into the hallway. And he sees these two, what he could best describe as anthropomorphic beings coming towards him from inside the hallway, so they're approaching him from the door and towards the foot of the crib. Their skin was like television static, and even had like the same glow and like sound that static on a TV emits, you know? Yeah. And I guess this would sort of put them in the category of noisy shadow people? I don't know. So they're tall and thin, and their limbs are really lanky. They have these long fingers, and then these very cartoonish faces, Just very simple features amidst this television static. Mm -hmm. He says that they had these huge, inky eyes and like large, wide, gaping, inky mouths, sort of in this strange, open smile. And so they reach into his crib simultaneously, and you can see them sort of like as if his parents were bending down to pick him up. Mm -hmm. And they reach in with these creepy, slender fingers and they start tickling him and laughing about it.
1: Can I say that that's kind of (laughs) precious?
0: Not if you saw the faces, man.
1: No, I've seen the faces. Uh it's one of the when you search the movie, it's one of the like the tiny images you get. Oh
0: yeah? yeah. I hate it.
1: I I mean, if you compare it to the fucked up things you just talked about and you have two aliens tickling a little baby and giggling.
0: I think it's just that they have facial features. That is what's freaky to me because the shadow people don't have actual faces.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm just very upset at this point.
0: Well, so eventually, you know, he obviously snaps out of it and starts crying hysterically, which I believe is completely unrelated to him being a baby. I mean, I would just also- Oh yeah,
1: I would cry. Cry hysterically. pee. (laughs) I would just pee. (laughs) And according to his
0: parents, he kept repeating the word zines over and over, like in a panic, like zines, zines. And I think it's like fascinating that there are millions of people, just normal fucking people Not toothless tinfoil hats or whatever one imagines. No, but like millions of normal fucking people who have experienced alien abductions. So, you know, maybe it's all sleep paralysis. Maybe some of it is sleep paralysis. Maybe aliens actually induce sleep paralysis in order to do what they came for.
1: I cannot decide
0: on anything if we put it at that. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Forrest continued to have these sleep paralysis episodes all throughout his childhood. And he also describes, like, how it's different wherever he sleeps. Like, different voices and entities depending on where he is. Uh, another one I thought was super creepy was from when he was an adult and staying in an apartment. And just every night he would hear this middle-aged woman singing in a baby's voice. <laughs> no! <laughs> That one did it.
1: Oh, I think I broke Linnea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. I'm literally crying. No, <laughs> you're also crying. I'm crying
0: because you're crying, <laughs> and I am also laughing, so I'm crying.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah.
0: Do you want to take a break? Cause now, no, now you ruined gonna...
1: me. I'm not gonna function again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: well, no, it's you're gonna ta- tell us about Robin's experience. So oh, well, what to what gonna... do fucking do? <laughs>
1: what are you I'm so upset. Um. You okay? No. Take a deep No, fuck you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okie dokie then. Uh, the worst part is like, in our script, it just says the last line is woman singing in a baby's voice and now it's like my turn to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so broken. Oh.
0: Hi guys, this is Johanna coming to you from the future Um, I'm currently editing this and I'm realizing that we could not stop talking about sleep paralysis. So this episode is actually going to have to be cut into two parts. We really hope you like this show. We worked really hard on it and we talked forever. Thank you. We love you guys. Bye.